Watch for the quarterback keeper here. Third down and two, a third and goal from the two. Strand in motion. They hand it to him. Strand's speed tries to get to the corner and he makes a man miss and he's in. Touchdown, Grinnell. Welcome, welcome to the Tiger, Tiger Sports, Sports Livestream Live Network Podcast. Hey, welcome into Tiger Sports Livestream Network Podcast number 12. I'm Dan Walker. I have Blake Walker with me. We're, this is an exciting week for the Tiger Sports Livestream Network. We had the opportunity to sit down with, not saying that all of our guests are special guests, but Blake kind of went on the seek and find mission and found past head coach Jim Dunn, past activities director Jim Dunn, past history teacher, as we found out, mm -hmm. Jim Dunn, and had a really fun afternoon to sit down with Coach Dunn, learn some pretty incredible things. Blake had some, I don't say they're, they're stumper questions, but Blake, you really dug deep and did some research on Coach Dunn to come up with where we're at here in a little bit when we get to our special guest segment. Yeah, I, I wanted to dig in. You know, I wanted to get to the bottom of who he was, and, you know, you don't really hear about him a ton anymore. Um, you go online, and you do you look up Jim Dunn online, and you don't really find anything, so you have to type in Jim Dunn Grinnell, and even then, uh, you still, it, it's not a lot. So I thought, uh, what a better person to go and talk to. And, you know, I, me growing up, you know, as when I was young, watching, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, when we would go over there, that's who was the coach, and that's who everybody talked about. Um, and, I mean, we got to talk about all of his football stuff. We got to talk about all of the other stuff going around in his life and got to talk about his son Eli a little bit, and uh, uh, it was just really good. I mean, it was our it's our longest one yet that we sat down and had, and, I mean, so much information out of it. It was crazy. Yeah, it, it was pretty exciting. I. I was even pumped because, you know, this is the football coach that was here when I moved to Grinnell. And, uh, you know, we even went back into his history a little bit and learned some pretty neat things about him. So, you know, before we jump into what the past week's sports are, let's uh, hear a word from our sponsor. And we'll be hey right there, back. I'm Joey Pauliai, third generation owner of Pauliai's in Grinnell. Since 1957, we've been serving you the flavors you savor. Dine in, carry out, or pick up our frozen pizzas for a night in. Our promise to you... Everything is made from scratch, and we only use the freshest ingredients, guaranteed. Plus, get your kids signed up for our PagSpouse program to get free pizza and shirts. Visit polyeyesgrinnellia.com or ask your server how to sign up. See you soon at Polyeyes Pizza Grinnell on 5th Ave between Main and Broad Street. All right, thank you, Joey, at Polyeyes Pizza for everything you've done for the Tiger Sports Livestream Network and just capturing... Uh, sponsorship for all the Grinnell Tiger sports and activities that goes on. So let's, thank you again for that. All right, let's jump right into the past week's sports. This week was uh, kind of a happening week. I mean, we had a lot of baseball, softball going in, going on, but then at the same time, we also had rain off and on. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we'll, we'll kind of jump around that. It's a, a little bit to keep up on things. Monday night, the first we were at Fowler Field, uh, able to capture the Grinnell Versus Norwalk, 3-0 victory. Big night for Jaden Gibson. He was the winning pitcher. Uh, we also were able to capture his 298th strikeout to place him at the all-time record, holding place, uh, edging out Eli Dunn. And he wasn't done there. He ended the night with 301, 
Uh, Blake, I know you were pretty pumped because you the whole sports broadcasting season, you, you looked for moments that you could put into a, a memorable perspective. What was that like to capture those things that were happening right in front of us and, and paint the picture that's actually going to be a memory for Tiger fans for a long time? What it, was that like? It was uh it was, it was a part where when I heard about it, I was like, well, you got to think in your mind what you're going to say. And, you know, I kept thinking and thinking. And when it comes around, you're like, because you don't know when it's going to happen. We sat there. He was probably at the mound for a little bit because that batter just wouldn't let him go. Uh, and when it happens, you just say what comes to your mind. But uh, in terms, it was it was really good. I mean, uh, you know, Jaden and I have been good friends for a few years now and uh, uh, really got to know each other and seventh grade basketball probably or seventh grade football but um you know the baseball is his sport it's his passion it's everything else and to see him do that uh i mean it was it was really cool and i'm glad i was able to talk about it a little bit and um you know records don't happen a lot i i remember the probably the biggest one that's happened before that was uh, when luke rodabush passed the all-time stolen bases record and people were talking about that for quite a while and uh, i think people will be talking about this one for quite a while and they should be. I mean, it's 298 breaking Eli Dunn's record. Uh, simply incredible, and there's still a few games left. He could probably reach 330. Yeah, as, as we looked at, you know, we had his Dave Schaefer, which is his uncle on one on your left-hand side, Jamie, his dad, on the other side outside the door, and these two are counting pitches yeah. to see how that's going to be able to come into play. It was, I mean, it was suspenseful for us because we're sitting in the middle and you're sitting, you're counting and right, you're watching right. and you're counting, you're watching. And like I said, I'm just, I'm so happy we were able to capture that. And then, you know, finally to get Jaden up in the, the press box afterwards to have that, that interview with Tony Stenberg was, that was a pretty good ending on the night. So that, that game was led by Jake Hole on the batting side. He uh, had two hits uh, at bat and really did a great job. The Tigers, all in all, did not commit a single error in the, the game. So you combine that with Norwalk's four errors, and they struggled, struggled from the mound. Uh, it was a rough night for the Norwalk Warriors. So they ended that out with a 3-0 win. Uh, Tuesday night, they traveled down to Pella, uh, went to a, a 6-0 lead at the bottom of the second. That went into rain delay. So did the softball team uh, at this time. We still don't have a makeup date for that game. Uh, July 6th was the makeup game game for the Newton, which was replayed because of a rain delay earlier in the season. They did it on the second, and it got rained out again. So they they traveled to Newton on Saturday morning, 9 a.m. start, and the Tigers were red hot from the beginning, firing all cylinders. Finished off Newton with a 12-1 victory. Um, so the Saturday morning makeup game, everyone had their breakfast and they were going. Gibson and Hole led the charge with two hits each, three RBIs. Uh, uh, excuse me, Jaden had two hits, three RBIs. Jake had two hits, one RBI. And Brock Beck also added in one hit that brought in uh, two runners. And then Colin Gibson also had a hit with an RBI too. Brady Stewart and Jake Hole split the pitching duties. Jake actually took the win, had more innings on the mound. Over to the girls' softball side, July 
first was a very good night at the uh, Ball Diamonds. Not only on Fowler Field, we were looking out the back door going back and forth because the cheering on the softball diamond was ecstatic. I never seen so many people between the two ballparks. Yeah, yeah. And then whenever when the boys finished off the uh, Norwalk team, and it was actually a, a quick game. Yeah. I mean, it was in and out, in and out. Everyone from the baseball diamond went to the softball diamond because there's so much yelling and screaming over there that uh, the Norwalk girls knocked off, or excuse me, Grinnell Tigers knocked off the Norwalk girls 8-4, and four, which I think you said going into it, Norwalk, Norwalk was, was ranked 11th. They were ranked 11th, and they were at the top of the Little Hawkeye? Yes. Or well, near uh, the top? Yeah, near the top. Indian Knoll is at the top, okay. but yeah. So, uh, you know, Norwalk started off running. Uh, they went with a 2-0 jump on the Tigers. In the bottom of the fourth, the Tigers scored three runs in, didn't stop. Uh, with two in the fifth inning and three more in the sixth inning, uh, Norwalk also clicked in two more runs in the sixth, but was not enough to hold back the Lady Tigers. Uh, Meredith McKnight was in the circle, uh, got the win for the, the Tigers, and Hannah Barron's come in, did pitch an inning, inning and a quarter just to finish it out. Uh, on the third, as I said earlier, they traveled to Pella. Rain delay, they did get into it 2-0, and then the rain come in. Uh, there was actually pictures, uh, Blake, you showed me, Ella McAlexander. It was a rain-soaked field. Soaked. I mean, there was from first base to third base, but it was water all in between. Uh, so that uh, went ahead and was made back up on the th 6th, I believe, so Saturday also. Correct. Uh, big day. Uh, let's let's jump first down to the Colfax Mingo game that they played first. It was a tournament they were supposed to have between four uh, teams. Yeah, East Marshall and Colfax yeah. and Limville Silly. Kind of a, a, a winner's-loser bracket come about. Uh, however, Grinnell had to bow out after the first game because the Pella game got rescheduled for that evening to play a doubleheader, and they can't play uh, four games in, in one day. So we were there to cover that with the Tiger Sports Live Network. Um, matched up against Colfast Mingo, which was a powerhouse team. Uh, I think they come in tw 20 and 6. 20 and 6. And uh, the Tigers played head to head with them uh, right off the bat. It was uh, going into the top of the fifth. So I'm going to say this a little bit backwards because this is a tournament. It was a coin flip. We were all kind of messed up. The Grinnell was actually the visiting team. So they would be at the bottom of the inning or the top, <laughs> top of, the of the inning. So going into the uh, top of the fifth, uh, Grinnell put the first score on the board, uh, brought a runner around, and then uh, Colfax mangled with unanswered five runs, took advantage of the Tigers' three errors in that inning, and then uh, the Tigers did rally. It was probably the, one of the best comebacks that I've ever seen and we ever put on video as a broadcast that we fell just one run mm -hmm. short. Yeah. Uh, come back and uh, scored four. Took advantage of Colfax Mingo, which was almost a perfect team with uh, no errors up until this point. And then they put uh, three errors on the board also. Uh, however, it just wasn't enough. It came down to uh, all this happened in two runs. They put the four on the board as a pop-out fly, and Colfax ended the game by virtue of score, five to six, and the bottom of seventh, it was over. So that was kind of the tough start for the girls in the morning. However, I, you know, not to display, I put out on our Twitter account, we are, we're so excited to see how this team has grown all year. And the, the wins that they put on the boards, the accomplishments, it's, it's been uh, pretty incredible that they've, they've turning this program around. So let's go back to the Pella game. Uh, when they left, they were 2-0 from the rain delay. 
Uh, Pella evened that up in the fourth with two more scores. And then the bottom of the sixth, uh, Pella also put three three more up on the board to take a 2-5 win over Grinnell in the first game. Uh, a couple positive things out of that. Magdoni had another uh, home run for the Tigers and led all hitters with three and one RBI. Kais, Barons, and Imhoff also added in a hit. Heron, Hannah Barons took the loss for the Tigers in the first game. In game two, uh, Pella jumped out to a quick start in the first two innings with a 5-0 run, and then the Tigers came back to bat. They tallied up six runs in the next two innings uh, with the Dutch scoring only one, and Grinnell continued to score in the fifth and sixth. Uh, however, errors started to hurt the Tigers with Pella scoring three runs in the seventh uh, and then falling to Pella 8-9. to nine. Leading the Tigers on the hitting side was Doty and Barons with two. Uh, Kriegel, McAlexander, and Hull each added in one. And Han Barons took the loss for the Tigers for the second time in the evening. So McKnight did not pitch any the rest of the day. And I think when Meredith left the game in the morning, she was putting everything she could into that those pitches and just kind of wearing out. But in the beginning, she still had a pretty good game, and it was fun to watch. Um, but that kind of closes out our um games for the week i think the only game we really have left open is the is it the indian only game that still hasn't been made up um i believe so but as of right now uh you know you start you start district play on or district playoff play on thursday um i think i think most likely i don't think it'll be made up um considering the conference is all but locked up indian only is going to take it so uh, I don't think we'll see it remade, um, and I think the, the Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union likes to give their girls a few days to prepare for the district uh, playoffs. But Okay. All in all, it, it was a, a, a pretty pretty happening week in the baseball and softball arena. So let's go ahead and we'll, we'll close that down. We're going to take a minute, hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll come right back and we'll have this special guest. We're really excited about it. Hey there, I'm Joey Polyi, third generation owner of Polyi's in Grinnell. Since 1957, we've been serving you the flavors you savor. Dine in, carry out, or pick up our frozen pizzas for a night in. Our promise to you, everything is made from scratch and we only use the freshest ingredients, guaranteed. Plus, get your kids signed up for our PagSpouse program to get free pizza and shirts. Visit PolyEyesGrinnellIA.com or ask your server how to sign up. See you soon at Polyi's Pizza Grinnell on 5th Ave between Main and Broad Street. All right, once again, thank you to Polly Ice Pizza for sponsoring this podcast and all the podcasts we've done this season on the Tiger Sports Live Stream Network podcast. So now we're coming to the part of the podcast, which everybody's probably been looking forward to. This is our interview with uh, former head coach, athletic director, and uh, teacher at the Grinnell High School head coach, Jim Dunn. Special Alrighty, everyone, we are back for another guest here on the podcast, the Tiger Sports Live Stream Network podcast. Sitting in with us today is uh, former head coach of the Grinnell Tigers, uh, Coach Dunn. Um, coach, thank you for sitting down with us this afternoon. We really appreciate it. Um, I personally wanted to bring in someone that had a really good, strong past with Grinnell, and uh, I was very pleased to see that you would want to come sit down and uh, thank you for letting us come oh, talk with you today. Absolutely. It's uh, one of my favorite topics to talk about. <laughs> uh, so I guess we'll jump right into it. You grew up in Dubuque, Iowa, didn't you? That's correct. Um, talk a little bit about you know what your childhood life was like as you grew up. Well, uh, I grew up and uh, early on I had a, a real desire uh, you know, to, to play sports and athletics. I, I kind of... Uh, 
You know, I, I, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the competition. And, you know, the people that I looked up to in life, I think, growing up were coaches. Uh, I, I really emulated them. And, and I knew, I think, that's something I wanted to get into. So uh, I grew up in Dubuque, uh, went to Dubuque Senior. And uh, uh, from there, uh, I went on to Co College in Cedar Rapids. Was it still the big high school that it is nowadays, or was it just a little bit smaller? No, actually, my graduating class was 500 kids. Uh, we had uh, we had 2,000 kids in our high school, so no, it was a, it was a big high school. Goodness. What was sports? I mean, what sports involvement were you in when you're in high school? When I, excuse me, when I was in high school, I played football all four years. I wrestled three. I didn't get to wrestle my senior year because I had knee. Uh, I had a knee injury in football. In fact, I had total knee reconstruction uh, in my knee. And then I also ran track for the first three years. But uh, football was my major sport. That's a sport that I really enjoyed. So in a in a class of 500, that had to be pretty competitive to get out there and play football. Where, what position did you play? Yeah, it was very competitive. I played a defensive back uh, throughout most of my career, and I also played a little bit of wing back on the offensive side, return punts. Ooh, get out yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> get some hard yeah. hitting. Not, not the hit man one side, but you get to be the hit man on the yeah, other side. Yeah, you know, and, and, and even uh, during my coaching career and then my four years at Co, I played on the defensive side, and, and for the most part at the high school, too, you know, I concentrated on the defensive side and, and – uh, that's the side of the ball I really enjoyed. So you went to college at Co. Um, what did you kind of do at Co College, and why choose Co over all these other colleges? Well, Co yeah, Co was about uh, seventy miles from from Dubuque, so it was close, but not too close, and, and it had a good ap- academic background. Uh, I had a few friends. Uh, that had gone on to Co and uh, you know their football program was a good pro- uh, program there and I just uh, there was a lot that I liked about Co College you know when I visit it's just it's kind of when you go you get that feel about something and I got that feel about Co College. Uh, academically, what did you go there for? I was a history major. Uh, when I went there, I wasn't quite sure. I think a lot, a lot of kids are that way. You know, you're, I wasn't quite sure, but I think after my sophomore year, it became apparent to me that uh, education was the direction I wanted to go, and I've always had a love for history, uh, I, and I still do. And uh, I was a history major and then uh, you know, minored in education, and, and, uh, and, and you know, that's, uh, that's what I did at Co. Did your injury that you had in high school, did you play football or? No, I played, uh, I probably shouldn't have, but I played four years. <laughs> I played uh, four years of college football and, uh, you know, I, I hadn't got enough of it. I, I hadn't, and it was really disappointing to me. I got hurt uh, in the third game uh, in the season against Dubuque Hempstead in a big uh, inner city rivalry game. And, and, and uh, I came back and I rehabbed it you know, extremely hard. And no, I played four years of college football and I only sat out one practice in those four years because of that knee and, and uh, never missed a game. So wow. no, it was, uh, you know, and I have a lot of empathy for kids that get hurt, but, but I know what they go through, trust mm-hmm. me. Did Co College have success in those four years that you were there, yeah, uh, we were, football-wise? We were, yeah, we were fairly successful. Uh, we never did win a conference championship those four years were there, but we were successful, and uh, it just you know, I had a lot of fond memories and made some great friends uh, from that, those experiences. What do you think the biggest takeaway was out of Co College and playing football and learning history all throughout there? Well, it's it's you know it was a springboard. It was a springboard, you know, it's something that I wanted to continue to do. Uh, I, I wanted to be continue to be involved in football. I wanted to coach football someplace, and, and I wanted to go on and teach history. Uh, I wanted to kind of pass that passion that I had on to other kids, and I was able to do that for 20 years. So 
What, what was that like uh, if you your classes were so big in high school? Because Coe couldn't have been that big of a college. No. Was your class size actually smaller in college? Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Yeah. The, col- the, the, the courses at Coe were, were much smaller than I had, unless it was like a biology class or whatever, uh, you know, and then a lot of times there were 50 kids in those classes. But uh, no, my cl- uh, you know, the, the enrollment at Coe was smaller than it was in my high school. That had to be a little bit of a change of saying you go to work or go to school and you're almost like a college setting, your high school, and then you, you go, well, this is secondary education. It's like, where did everyone go? <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, but the thing about that Cedar Rapids is it was in a city bigger than Dubuque, actually. So uh, you know, the the setting uh, it was a metropolitan area. And it was still you know a bigger setting, but uh, you're right, the classes were somewhat smaller. They were it's interesting. So fresh out of college, uh, right into teaching, or what was that first step? Well, right after that college? that whole scenario was kind of interesting. In my in my. Uh, Career after I graduated from Co, I had one job interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was at Grinnell High School. I came down here and interviewed with Larry Dixon, who was at that time the uh, building principal. I, I I went, I interviewed, I went back, and uh, I uh, went through graduation that afternoon. Mm-hmm. And Larry, I went back to my house. I lived with four other guys. And we were getting ready to do a little celebrating uh, for that. And Larry, Larry called and offered me the job. So uh, I, uh, I was one for one. I had one job interview. I got the job. And the, and the unique thing about that is uh, when I came to Grinnell, I never left. Mm-hmm. So that was for history. It was. Uh, history yeah, I became teacher. a social studies teacher in the high school. Yeah. So being that young, you know, teaching kids that were literally just, you know, four or five years younger than Correct. you are. Uh, what? How was that? I mean, that seems pretty difficult. I mean, yeah. it seems hard yeah, to do. It, it is. Uh, you know, you've got to learn. Uh, there's a line there, and uh, you know, I, I think the, the the big thing is that uh, um, you've got to earn kids' respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do, and and then it's a two way street. You earn their respect, they respect you, and I learned that very very quickly. And. I was very fortunate. I had a very, very good mentor here in Steve Kriegel, who was the head football coach uh, at that time. And and Paul Wagner was one of the assistants, who's now a very good friend of mine and became my assistant coach. But uh, I was put into a pretty good situation. But you're right, uh, Blake. It was uh, I was only four years older uh, than those seniors. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's things that every every young man or young woman goes through when they get into education right away. It's uh, uh, it's a learning experience, and you're not that much older than your students. Talk a little bit about your relationship with Steve Kriegel. Where did you guys meet, and what was that? What did that relationship look well, like? Well, when I came to when I came to Grinnell, I actually lived with St- uh, Steve and Susan in their basement for about two weeks because uh, I had no place to live. And I got down <laughs> here, and uh, I lived with them, and uh, became very, very good friends with with both of them, and. Uh, Steve was the the head coach, uh, you know, throughout my career as an assistant, and uh, you know, just good keep, just good people. They mm-hmm. really are. So, not to start dating, but what year would that have been? Your it would have been a, in the fall of 1981. 81. Yeah, in 81. So the did the curriculum always kind of change back then, or did you just teach what you wanted to teach in history, and that was how it went? Well, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> there was a set of classes that I was told that I was going right, to teach, right. and, and at that time. Uh, the history department was pretty diversified. We had medieval history, ancient history, modern European history, Latin American wow. studies, U.S. history. Wow. And uh, I concentrated a lot. I taught a lot of the U.S. history, but I also taught a lot of those other uh, courses, too. Mm-hmm. And there was a gentleman here by the name of John Penny 
that had at one time been assistant principal here, and and I kind of he was kind of a mentor in some of those areas. But uh, no, I really enjoyed the the U.S. history part of it. I, I really did, and I enjoyed teaching. So, what came next? Was it football? And then did it become AD, or was it AD well, and then football? That, that whole scenario, I uh, I taught uh, I taught for twenty years, but in 1990, 1990 or ninety one, nineteen ninety one, I took a year's leave of absence. Mm. Um, I got a. Uh, I got a, a scholarship from the University of Northern Iowa to, to work in their Ed Administration Department. Mm-hmm. So I went up there and uh, I got my master's done within a year and a summer and then worked in their department, which was a great experience. And I, I took a year's leave of absence and at that time um, I was still the assistant coach, but when I came back then in 1992, uh, Steve Kriegel had given up the position and I applied for it and, and got the position. And then in 1992, I came back uh, with a master's degree and I became the head football coach. Now, one thing that, that we had a little bird tell us, actually, I'll tell the little bird, Chad, back. We were sitting on the baseball bench one day and I never knew that you used to coach wrestling. Yes. Uh-huh. And he was saying that back when he was in in the system, or I can't remember exactly how the story was like, Coach Dunn was a wrestling coach. It just I've been here since 96, and it's just always been football. Yeah. I was about shocked. It's interesting. You know, I first came here, and I had a wrestling background, and I was the head middle school wrestling coach for 11 years. Uh, in fact, Chad Beck was one of my wrestlers. wrestlers. And then he, he came back, and he became an assistant for me at the middle school. And then when I became the head coach, I did that for a year, and I told Chad, I said, I'll still do this for a couple more years, but you become the head middle school coach. So he did, and I assisted him. But uh, no, I uh, I coached a, a lot of young men uh, in the '80s uh, down at the Grinnell Middle School, and I really enjoyed it. I really did. It was a lot of fun. That was just one thing when we were visiting. It's like, really? Yeah. And then typically at that time, we had forty to fifty kids in our wrestling room every year. Wow. We had a ton of kids. Yeah. From being, we'll get back to football a little bit later, but uh, you went into the athletics uh, activities director role. Uh, was that year t- 2001? 2001. Yeah, 2001. So. I think my daughter, uh, I think my daughter, my oldest daughter was a junior, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, in 2001. And I became, at that time, when I became the uh, activities director, I was the activities director, and I still was teaching like uh, three classes a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it was it was a big load. Plus, I was the head football coach, so my plate was very very full at that time. It was. What uh, did the course or did being an activities director kind of change over the course of what fourteen years you were in the athletic? Director? Well, it did. Yeah, it, it did change. Uh, the last thing that Dave Stokes did when he left here, and he was our superintendent, he was mm-hmm. the high school principal, then the superintendent, and the last thing he did right before he went to Cedar Falls is he made my position, the activities director, a full-time position. Right. So I came out of the classroom at that time, but you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, AD, a- athletic director, and it's not an athletic director, not right. in this community, yeah. it's an activities, activities. director. Yeah. And, you know, we've got some great fine arts. We, we, mm-hmm. we did then and mm-hmm. we still do. And, right. uh, uh, you know, that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, our band, music program. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a, certainly a full-time job. And when uh, Dave left, he made it a full-time job. 
stressful to be both head football coach and activities director? Well, I, I think it can be stressful to be a social studies teacher. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> either way. <laughs> it's, you know, it, yes. Uh, I mean, yes. Mm -hmm. it, 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 the stress, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I talk frequently with Chris Kaufman and, and have a lot of other friends that are activities mm -hmm. director, and you don't really know what that position is like until you do it. Right. And Chris has told me the same thing. He goes, you know, Jim, I, I, I thought I knew your job, mm -hmm. but until I did this, he said, I really had no idea. And it's uh, it, it's it's a busy job, mm -hmm. and you deal with a lot of issues uh, and what have you. But then also being the head football coach, I was just telling Chris this just a couple of days ago that sometimes I look back and I have to just, you know, like, how did I do that? How, how was I the head football coach in a program that was pretty successful and, uh, and run an activities program? We had a lot of success in a lot of the areas. Uh, that was a tough job. And maybe that's why I retired when I was 56 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that stress got to me, I guess. Yeah. Now we, so you were head coach prior to becoming the activities director full time. When you actually accepted that position, did, who was doing it before and did yeah. you have an idea of what the kind of the format of what that job was before you said yes I'll do it yeah it, it, it was I was a little hesitant too when I said <laughs> that yes uh, it was Tom Johnson and at that time in 2001 the activities director was a dual position assistant principal activities director and I, I saw I saw that that it ran Tom Johnson Johnson ragged doing that position uh, Ray Boyd, uh, Bill Roeder, Eric Goslinga, those are all people that had previously been in that position and a lot of them had only been there for uh, two or three years and they were burnt out. And I think the same thing with Tom and, and, and I think Dave Stokes realized that that position needed to be split up. So it was split up and, and I took that on. And yeah, I, I was a little hesitant, uh, you know, jumping in that because I, I, I still believe this. I, I, I think I would have been a better football coach if I hadn't been perhaps the AD, and I probably would have been a better AD if I hadn't been the football coach, but I managed to do both of them. And because they're both very time consuming jobs, if you're gonna do them the right way, and, and, and that's the way uh, you know I like to do things. So successful football program, uh, I'm gonna just read off a few things. Uh, 23 years as a head football coach, you won 174 and 67, very impressive. In 1998, you won the Iowa Class 3A Coach of the Year. Uh, I guess we'll stop right there. What did that mean to you to win such a prestigious award in a stacked 3A conference? Man, I had a lot of good assistant coaches, good <laughs> players. <laughs> I was just kind of lucky to be steering the ship. No, it's uh, it was an honor. It was, uh, you know, it, it's something, you know, it, it, but I, I, really, I really mean that. I had some great assistant coaches and I had some great players that we developed. Uh, I, I think kind of the neat thing about football, I had two teams uh, throughout my career of, of seniors that did not win a middle school football game. Mm -hmm. And those two groups were district champs. Now that, that, that was that, that was kind of a neat feeling. That really was. But uh, yeah, 98 was a special year. And there's still a lot of those young men around town. So mm -hmm. it's good to see them. How does that happen? How does a team that didn't win a single middle school game, what happened in the progression period that they won district titles? You yeah. won Personally, you've won nine of them. Yeah. So for those two out of the nine, how does that happen that these guys that just struggled in middle school got up to the high school level and just boom? Now? Well, you, you know, you coach, you coach kids up and, and you, get them, you get them believing in the program and you get them believing in themselves. And 
My, my big motto, and people know this, was, you know, hard work makes dreams come true. And we worked hard. Well, we did. Uh, you know, my practice is typically, and the guys, the assistant coaches will tell you this, you know, I, I had a guy one time look at his watch, a new guy, and I said, no. <laughs> I said, we don't do that. I said, we're done when we're done. And, I, I you know, I notoriously, I went sometimes, you know, three hours out there. Well, we can see. We, and, we live yeah, right across. Yeah, we'd be and, like, man, and, he's out yeah, there. Yeah, and, and we'd go out there, and we'd go out there in adverse conditions, weather, and, you know, I mean, except for the lighting. And, mm-hmm. uh, but we'd, if it was raining hard, we'd be out there. Yeah. And, uh I think we prided ourselves on that, and, and I think the kids bought into. Well, I know they bought into that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, I made Monday through Thursday pretty tough, so Friday nights became pretty easy for yeah. kids, and we won a lot of football games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, back in the so the late '80s, going into the early '90s, it was pretty evident that to be a successful football team, it wasn't. I mean, the coaching staff was part of it, but the player buy-in was the second part of it. And and typically finding three to five good leaders or your captains that could just say that the days that you were pushing them hard to turn around and say, guys, this is going to make us champions if we keep doing it. Can you think back over the years that, I mean, were there certain leaders or captains that just really assisted you as a coach to keep that team rolling? I mean, I could think there's quite a few names but it just seems like to make that successful program, the coaches are 60%, but you got to have the 40% buy-in and then someone to help really make them believe in you and pass that along. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that, uh, the 98 team was, was special, but actually the 97 team, something was even more talented. Uh, that team was loaded uh, with a lot of excellent uh, uh, players on, on that team. And the year before, uh, Seth Wallace uh, was a captain for me, who now is the, the linebacker coach at the University Iowa. of Iowa. Dave Menega, who lives in town, was an All-Stater. Trent Arment lives in town, was an All-Stater in that team. We had some excellent football players then early on. But I think my second year, uh, in 93, I think we won a district title. My second year, uh, we, we tied for a district title. And, you know, I think once you got the ball rolling, what happened, and kids have told me this, that, that those young kids, you know, they wanted to be part of Tiger football. And, yeah. and that was so important. And, uh, you know, that's that's what they longed for. And that's what they wanted. And, and, and that's what we wanted as, as a coaching staff. And once we got rolling, people didn't want to get off the train. They, they wanted to get on the train. They did. Oh, that's, that's cool. But there's a lot of kids. I mean, there's a lot of players that 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 helped lead the way. But I know that '98 team uh, was was pretty special. Justin Jansen, Jack Whitford, knew I was now as a senator here, and, and Justin Jansen, two tremendous football players, uh, Rusty Jones, Mark Copeland here in town. You know, they just. Uh, there was a lot of th- that class bought into what we were trying to do, and. and, and uh, you know, it just, uh, it was a lot of fun. So in 92, was that the first year of true district football? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah that's one of the reasons maybe Steve got out of it. He knew we were going to go to district football. And prior to that, we had played in the South Central Conference. And right. typically, you know, Knoxville and Sheridan and Centerville, Davis County, Albia. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, there was a certain amount of handful of games that you know you were going to win. Uh, and, that, and it was the same year in and year out. But when we got into district football, I can tell you, I don't. We've been everywhere. We we've been to Independence, to Wit, Manchester, Old Line, 
uh, we, Clark of Osceola, uh, Winterset. We've been all over uh, right. in, in district football. But, uh, yeah, 92 was the first year of, of, of district football. And actually, that was the first year that the home side of football used to be on the, the visitor side. And right. in 92, right. when we went to district football, they, they built the new stand, stadium, put up the new concession stand, and we flipped sides, and we went to district football. So it was kind of a new start. Mm -hmm. So when you came in 81... Were you always Central, South Central Iowa Conference, or was that still the no. tail of the Central when Iowa I, Conference? It was. When I came in 81, we were in the old CIC, the South, 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 or Central Iowa oh, conference. conference. And it was a tough conference. It really was. The first year I was here, we were eight and th or six and three, though. We were pretty successful that year. And I think the next year, we were five and four. So, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I grew up in South Tama, and we weren't fortunate enough to find a 3A conference. So we were in the CIC almost until, like, 90. Right. And then they had the chance to flip over to the Walmack. Yes. Experienced yeah. a little bit of 3A play, but then district football was actually a good thing for South Team at that time because yeah. they finally got on the same level yeah. as everyone I, else that played. Well, around. I think the overall you know concept of district football is really a good one. It, it really is. I enjoy I enjoy every two years to redistrict and sometimes get yeah, a new competition. I, I enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. 23 years of coaching, you've seen teams go up and down. Uh, when I was growing up, Harlan was the, the team to beat, and now it's kind of moved to Dowling Catholic. Granted, it's a higher class and everything else is the team to meet. Did you have to change how you coached as years went on, as the offense has changed? The offense is changing like crazy now. Yeah. But did you have to change your coaching style as the years went on? Well, that's interesting that you asked that uh, because I, uh, I've had teams, and we've ran, we ran the ball very, very effectively. And I've had some teams that threw the ball yeah. very, very effectively. Yeah. But uh, I can remember one time, it was 1999, and Dennis Doherty uh, was, he had just moved to town. And he had twin boys, uh, Christopher and Joseph. And the year before, in 98, uh, we were state runners up and ran the ball. And, and I mean, we ran the ball well. Mm -hmm. And I can remember meeting with him in the, in the maintenance uh, office uh, with my assistant coaches. And Dennis came in and he said, Coach Dunn, I've watched your teams. You run the ball, but will you throw the ball? And I said, Dennis, I said, if we've got the people to throw the ball, mm -hmm. we'll throw the ball. We'll do it. We'll, you know, I wasn't one of those coaches that said, this is what we do. Right. I looked at the players that I had and said, what can we do? Mm -hmm. And and it took me two days of practicing with Joseph and Christopher to realize we were going to throw the ball. <laughs> and we threw it very, very effectively with those two. But, uh, yeah, uh, offense, especially offense, has changed drastically. Uh, you know, football isn't what it used to be. No. I mean, uh, you're gonna, you see more and more teams throwing the ball, spread offenses, throwing the ball. Mm -hmm. And it's it, you see it at every level, right. um, the spread offense. Yeah. Now, with... Since you, you mentioned earlier your love was defense, of those years, how much did you dabble and change in your defense? Or did you stay pretty steadfast to your well, basics and then yep. a couple a coverages good, and changes? Good and, question, yeah. Uh, I, I think it was probably 80, 86. I think we went to a 5-3 defense. In 87, we had an excellent football team there. But uh, we went to a 5-3, and it was an, that's an excellent defense to stop the run. You put eight guys in the box, and not a lot of teams threw it through it very well, and it was very effective. But uh, I think it was in 09 or whatever, 010 perhaps, we were we were uh, uh, we got beat, and we got beat soundly by a Sheraton team that that uh, you know they were okay, but. Uh, I had realized coming back on the bus, I, tell, I said, we've got to do something differently defensively because 
because of the spread offense. I, I said we can't adjust pretty. So the year after that, we went to a three-five defense, and we ran that. We ran that pretty effectively too, um, which was much more flexible. And, and uh, but to answer your question, yeah, we 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 certainly changed defenses. But it was a it's kind of even from a five-three to a three-five. But uh, the three-five was much more. Uh, you could make adjustments much easier off that. Well, and using the speed of your linebackers, and if you had a little bit bigger linebacker, right. it, it was a good position to play that middle and let your smaller yeah. guys play the outside. So, yeah. yeah. You know. And typically, you know, my philosophy in defense, we were pretty aggressive. We coached pretty aggressive, and uh, we uh, we we had a tendency to send guys, you know, frequently from wherever. And uh, you know, if you could run, you could play defense for us, uh, and that was the key. Uh, you had to been able to run. Uh, I liked. I take a a smaller, quicker guy anytime over a large kid that couldn't move very well. Weightlifting is obviously a big part of football. Uh, did you have that uh, mentality to get the guys in every single day, every morning, and just try to get yeah. better? That was something that I kind of brought with me uh, mm -hmm. from Co. Uh, they, when I first got here, they had a universal machine and they had a bench press, and that was it. Mm -hmm. So we really built that weight room up, and, and not just the weight room, but, the, but the, the, the philosophy to use it and use it well, and it really caught on. Uh, that's one of the things that I'm very proud of, and, and we put a lot of emphasis on our weight program, and I think, well, I don't think, I know that it paid dividends, not just for the football program, but across the board, and now it's just, it's an integral part. And if you don't do it and do it well, uh, you're you're not going to be very successful, but uh, yeah, I saw I you know I saw our weight program you know go from being in the just in the locker room to a, a room itself, yeah. and we built a new weight room, and then we built another new weight room, mm -hmm. and uh, that's really taken off. It really has. Yeah. For the uh, we did quite a bit of research and stuff back during football stuff around about Steve Kriegel, and you know one of the things about Steve Kriegel was he loved football too. But he also knew that to keep these kids competitive, that you just couldn't play one sport. Mm. How much, I don't want to say the word luck, but how did you try to motivate the, the football players that were pretty much just that, football players, to get involved with other sports? I mean, the, the weightlifting activities thing, but the, the cardio of running and keeping that all going. Yeah to push them, not to push them, but to encourage them to play basketball, even if they weren't a great basketball player, wrestle, or was that well, always been kind of a, a you thing? Know, and that's something that the, the, the dual AD position, I, I really used that position to, to, to emphasize and push that because I knew that one thing, I, I just, uh, I, you know, uh, you, you don't specialize. You know, you'll talk to any, uh, Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Ferentz will tell you this all the time, that he loves multi-sport athletes kids that are that are competitive that compete and uh, I know my own son who was a pretty good athlete you know uh, played in some uh, with the uh, Iowa Barnstormer who's a high level uh, uh, AAU team and all those guys on his team you play baseball you play football <laughs> well yeah my dad would kill me if I didn't <laughs> but uh, they said you do Eli said yeah I, I, I would never give up baseball I would never give up football and you know it's using it's using different muscle groups and it's it's competing you know we liked as a football coach i like guys that competed in the winter that competed in the spring that competed in the summer and then when they needed to compete in the fall they'd been there 
they, they, they've been in that fire, they've been in that arena, but, uh, you know, and the big thing that I always push, and, and, and Wags, Wags is a good friend of mine, and he was the head track coach, and I would always, I mean, I would get on kids all the time about getting out for track, and some of the kids, you know, oh, they'd go out for tennis, or someone would golf, uh, I think, just to, to get by that track, but... Uh, at least they were competing. Right. They were, but uh, no, I, I'm a firm believer in, in, in multi-sport athletes, male and female. Now, on that same side of having that connection with the kids, when you went from being a history teacher, where you probably five to six classes that you get to see all these kids that may not be in sports, or you could kind of encourage, hey, why don't you try this? When you become just AD, did you, do you think you lost any of that touch with some of those kids that you may have? I wish I could have got my not not my hands on, but just the little no that's word that's, in their yeah, their ear or what have you. Because right, you're spot on. Because I, I, when I became a full time AD, I, I did lose some connection with those kids, and I missed that. I, I I really did. Just like now, I miss the connection with through coaching, you know. But. Uh, it's it's something different, and that's why when I was the uh, AD, I always even when I went to full time AD, I still had a study hall uh, and a seminar. I also had a seminar, yeah. and I enjoyed those. I enjoyed having that seminar once a week or every other week. I enjoyed having those kids, and I enjoyed going to study hall just because I I got to see kids, I touched yeah. base with kids or whatever, and and I didn't mind that. I I, I like that connection because I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just, you know, when you think back of, you know, 30 years ago playing in school, it was the hands on with the teacher that was your coach. And if you didn't go, we talk about track, not go out track. The track coach was this teacher and you'd walk in the door and you either have to go in and hang your head <laughs> because you didn't sign the sign up form or you just say, do I really want to go a semester with this heckling? And you just sign a paper and do it. Yeah. <laughs> 2010, 2011, young man by the name of Eli Dunn came into your football program. Uh, obviously, one of the better quarterbacks Cornell's ever had. How was it to teach him? How was it to coach him? I mean, his gunslinger mentality, and that's what he was in yeah. high school. He was a gunslinger. I mean, good guy on and off the field. What was it like to coach your son to be the quarterback? That well, he was? you know, Blake, that. I go back. That, that that probably was one of the highlights of my career. You know, to be able to coach my own son. You know, we we had great teams prior to Eli. Mm -hmm. we, yeah. we did. Trust me, yeah. we did. And we were able to throw the ball too mm -hmm. prior to Eli. Right. But it was just special with him. And you know that that didn't start in in 2010. Mm -hmm. That started when he was just a little tight yeah. man. Yeah. I can tell yeah. you. Yeah. You know, I can remember uh, we used to live out in Oakland Acres, and and we had a pitcher window there on the side, and he would be sitting there. You know, waiting for mm -hmm. me to come home from practice. So like, you know, can we go out and throw the ball? And mm -hmm. we did. We threw that ball constantly, mm -hmm. and not just not just the football. I right. mean, we uh, we had a golf cart, and we'd go down there, and and we'd hit baseball after baseball. Mm -hmm. And then he'd sit in the passenger side of the golf cart on the floor and scoop up the ball, throw him in the back. We'd go back. I'd pitch him again, <laughs> and he'd hit him. And we did that over and over again. Mm -hmm. And and uh, but uh, no, that was that was one of the highlights. That was a lot of fun uh, being able to coach him. It was. He didn't start his freshman year. Was that kind of one of those things that some people may have been like, well, is he starting just because he's the coach's kid? Or do you think well, he could have started his freshman year? Or does it just kind of matter? As, as I look at it objectively, mm -hmm. as a football coach that coached for 34 years, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, he, he could have. Absolutely. In fact, 
the young man that was our quarterback when Eli was a freshman, Trent Baker. I can mm-hmm. never Trent, you know, tap me on the shoulder and he goes, "Coach, he goes, the best quarterback in, in, in this in this school is right over there." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, he was a freshman, and it, it, I didn't want to put that. You know, but Eli was six two, six three as a right. freshman, yeah. and he was the leading rebounder on the varsity basketball team his freshman year until yeah. he broke his ankle, mm-hmm. and he had already won three baseball games mm-hmm. pitching as an eighth grader. He he probably was ready, but I didn't want to put him in that situation mm-hmm. because I was the head coach, and and I I wanted him. You know, just to, to, to develop into that. And, and, and I'm, I'm glad that he played freshman football. But to answer the question, could have he? Yeah, he, he could have played. He, he could have. So, I, I, I mean, I got into football around, like, watching Grinnell High School football probably around when Eli started. The 2012 team, you might remember, you guys went unbeaten that year mm-hmm. and then lost in the playoffs, I think, to Bishop Elon. Right. And you guys were crushing everyone, like yeah. putting 72 on Sadell, putting all these numbers – what kind of changed, or what would you say was one of the more dominant years? Would you say maybe, I mean, 2012 a little bit more. Now, granted, I don't know yeah. what happened in the early 2000s and the 90s. but yeah. 12, 12 was a good team. It really was. 12 was a very good team. 05 and 06 were two mm-hmm. very, very good teams. Uh, uh, 2000 and 2001, were mm-hmm. very, those were the Doherty years. Mm-hmm. Right. At least one of them was. Uh, 97 and 98 were very good, were very <laughs> right. good football right. teams. So, you know, we've had some, you know, we've had some pretty unique football teams mm. along the way. But uh, yeah, 12 was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun because we were good. But you know, yeah. also Eli was 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 quarterback in that group right. and uh, that, Only that was a junior. That was yeah, as a yeah. junior, and that was a special year. Mm-hmm. Well, in that 2012 year, you were so diverse yeah. because not only would you, I mean, Eli could roll back. But at the same time, he you had could Rice have, Litka in the yeah, have someone kick anywhere. out, well, just a back kick out and do a simple screen yeah. and still pick up 40 yards. You know, and that's the thing. Uh, uh, I'm, I, now, this is me speaking. I'm a firm believer. You've got to be able to do both pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you, you're able to do that, you're tough to prepare for. If you're the type of team, spread teams that, that, you know, throw, 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 there is something that's called bad weather in this state. And, and it can, and believe me, it can put a real hamper on that on that passing game. But if you're able to do both and, and do both well, you're, you're a handful to prepare for. Yeah. Well, those are definitely yeah. great years to yeah. watch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and not only just from a competitive standpoint, but as – as you're the coach and AD at the same time, when you turn around and you see stands that are full from halftime or even the freshman game all the way to the end, and when the game's over, they're still there. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I mean, yeah. that just it. Well, the the <laughs> largest crowd, and, and I and I, I think I can speak to this because came here in '81, and and prior to '81, they Grinnell didn't have great great football. They mm. just didn't. I, I know the history of it, but I think the largest crowd ever ever to attend a, a football game at T.T. Cranny was a state quarterfinal game against South Tama, your alma mater, yep. uh, in 2012. Yep. Those people, I remember that th- game There were vividly. people, there were four deep along the fence, yes. and they were still getting trying to get in, backed up to the locker room in, in the first quarter, as, as I was told. But uh, that was a tremendous crowd and a tremendous football game, too. Really South wild. Tama had a really good running back. Stevenson, yes. Yeah, uh, that just ran over uh, – um, one of our guys on a kickoff return just clocked him. <laughs> Ollie Vandenstow just ran him over. But uh, 
and and, and uh, they had a young man with a, a cooter that was the quarterback, mm -hmm. and then went on and became a good friend of Eli's. Yeah, he was he a punter up there yeah. uh, for you and I, and, and you know, a funny story about that. You know, Sam has told me numerous times his buddies from South Tampa go. How can you be friends with Eli Dunn? How, how, how can you be friends? Because he's a good guy. You know? uh, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a special game. Well, I, I, I get that same thing. How, how can you coach five years at South Tama football and then go down and live in Grinnell <laughs> and now sit there and brought – I had the last South Tama game we did uh, for football, and they came – I had friends sitting up. It's like, I can't believe you're doing that. It's like, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's great football. Yeah. And growing up from South Tama, you did. It was, I would say, what Grinnell has for South Tama. It's a love-hate. But when I played, so my class that played against Mike Hudnut and all those guys, when we were done after our senior year, we sit and we talked on, as we shook hands and we would have conversations because we played basketball and football against them since we are seventh yeah. and sixth you graders. AU all the way across. Well. And it was always just... You know, we, we never did say that we hate them. The towns did. Yeah. But us players, I think we built more friendships. Mm -hmm. And then to come down here and move, and I cannot believe how many Grinnellians come back to work in Grinnell. Yeah. It's almost like it's a class reunion of the guys that I never <laughs> went to school with. But it's, it's fun. What did that rivalry mean to you? I mean, because you, you would have been kind of just starting to coach when that trophy kind of came into play. The, the game was different i mean you're playing a team that you know you're fighting for this trophy and you're always remembered of steve kriegel did it just have a little bit different meaning when you played South oh yeah Tama? yeah you know i mean playing south tama and, and pella mm -hmm. uh, the yeah, two, yeah. Our two biggest rivals mm -hmm. no doubt about it you know but you know those games were always a lot of fun our preparation mm -hmm. was always a little bit more intense and uh, you know with the with the kriegel trophy on top of that uh you know there was more incentive and, mm -hmm. and uh you know, we put that together right away after Steve passed in, mm -hmm. in, in 90, well, 97, uh, he passed. And, uh, yeah, that, that game has always had special, special meaning. Mm -hmm. It really has. Uh, talking about Pella, I, I believe your last game against Pella, was, was it the loss on the last second field goal? Uh, it was. It and, was. And, yeah. And, and, you know, that, that game, I, I tell you, it's just, uh, we, uh, we, uh, we got called for a, a clip in the end zone, mm -hmm. in the end zone. And we had to uh, punt the ball back and then mm -hmm. we threw a ball and, and, uh, and I believe, as their AD told me, he goes, Jim, that was a catch. You know, we, we, and we would have won the game. We would have just ran the clock out. Right, but right. Uh, that, was, that was a tough one. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was. And we ended up losing that on the last second field goal. Yeah. You guys played Harlan during their, like, big-time powerhouse years. And yeah. that was it in the championship game? Uh, we saw them in the championship in 98. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, and they really took it to us in that game. Uh, in 2000, uh, we played them in a, uh, was it a four or five? Uh, five uh, Four-overtime game uh, mm -hmm. in the state semifinal game. To go I, to yeah, I've heard a lot of and stories. The Des Moines Register marked that as one of the top 100 yeah. sporting events yeah. in the last 100 years. Yeah. But uh, that was quite a game. And then we played played him in 2001 mm -hmm. and they beat us 13 to 7 but we lost our quarterback in the first quarter mm -hmm. of that game I, i'm a firm believer if reed hoskins uh with saltama connections uh, yeah. if he hadn't gone down mm -hmm. uh we would have beaten him that year i, I really believe that what made him so good harlan yeah um first of all their their their, their size is unbelievable mm -hmm. and you know but but uh, they just they got it rolling and they've got great athletes and, and good coaching staff and they just they just do things the right way mm -hmm. and uh 
they uh, they've had a tremendous run. Uh, they, they've fallen off somewhat, mm-hmm. yeah. but uh, but still, what still a great tradition! Yeah. yeah, it's still a great great tradition. Yeah. Going to the Uni Dome, it was always the Uni Dome, correct? When you were coaching, yes. uh, what was the mindset going in? That's a different place. I mean, that's different for those teams to play. What was always? Did the mindset kind of change talking to the team once you got to the Uni well, Dome because it meant more? Those those first years that we got up there, it was uh, you know the first kids would walk in and their eyes would just you know be you know and they, and it took them a while to settle in because they were thinking more about the environment and yeah. not about the opponent. But right. once. Uh, you know, once we got more accustomed to going there more frequently, mm-hmm. you know, kids got more more comfortable mm-hmm. with that. But uh, yeah, it's a neat experience. You know, every I think every kid you know in high school at least once in their career should have that opportunity mm-hmm. because it is something special. Right. Well, speaking of the Uni Dome, jump over here to Pella back, and I'm gonna relate this in the point of playing fields. So Grinnell's always had a very nice groomed grass field always you know it, really it's nice. always never been dried out i think maybe as an ad you had a part of watering it made it a great field to play on all the time what did you think when pella puts astroturf in you know you, you play on astroturf in the early days of the union dome it really wasn't astroturf i tell blake because it was the, carpet when the 80s when <laughs> yeah. i played the, it we literally played on a carpet yeah, that was, was green it's a little bit it has more cushion yeah. now but what was your thoughts when here we have a high school? It's bad enough that Pella has three different places that have <laughs> astroturf to put in astroturf and have your kids go down and play. Yeah, it's uh, well that seems to be the the common theme though to go with turf fields. Uh, you know, and, and they're so much better than they once were. The that that stuff up in the dome in the '90s, uh, it was carpet. And I remember taking teams up there, and they just got the burns and yeah. beat up, and just it was terrible. But now, you know, having a son that that's played there the last four and a half years, uh, it's it's not bad at all. Yeah. It's it's a nice soft surface. But uh, you know, uh, I, I Grinnell plays more games now on on the turf yeah they do. than it does on the grass yeah. i mean it's just uh it's just the the the, the wave of the future and and uh but yeah it, it's it's nice to have it, it is mm-hmm. but uh um it's expensive it's expensive it is expensive yeah. do you think at some some point grinnell has an advantage of these guys will play on astroturf for so long to get used to it that It'll be a little bit different to come back to grass for some of these players. Oh, someone. It's not not necessarily. Uh, you know, a lot I, of wear the same. Yeah, it's just you know, it, it's the quality I think of your team, and you can put them anywhere. And if you've got a quality team, they're going to play football. No, that's 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 what I think. A little bit ago, we talked about players, younger kids, always wanting to grow up and play football, coming through Grinnell. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit before we turned on the mics here. Football numbers are kind of declining, and it's not just Grinnell, like you said. It's across the state. Do you think it's injury? Do you think it's you know concern for parents and such? Why why are football numbers going down? I think there's I think there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, I really do. I, I think number one, I, I think the concussion scare is one of them. And, mm-hmm. And as I told Coach Souser and, and those guys at the high school, who you really have to win over are moms. Mm-hmm. You have to win over moms to get them to trust that their kid's going to be okay playing football. And actually, soccer, actually, soccer is, the, is, more, is, is, yeah. is a more prevalent sport when you know when it comes to head injuries. Yeah. It really is. But uh, that and and I got to tell you something about football. Football is a hard sport. It's not a, it's not an easy sport. Mm-hmm. It's it's a tough if you do it right. It's mm-hmm. tough and it's hard. 
And, and I found, you know, some kids, they just don't want to put in the time and the effort. And that's what it takes to be successful. And there's so many other opportunities now for kids, mm-hmm. and, and, which is good. I, right. Don't get me wrong. The, the other things, other avenues that they can do, and some choose to do that. And then, again, you talked about it earlier about specialization. Some kids, uh, well, I'm a basketball player. Well, I'm a baseball player, so I'm going to do that year round. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I'll, I'll be honest, that's hurt Grinnell Athletics. Uh, I know that there are kids walking around those hallways that could have really have helped the football team. Mm-hmm. And in years past, we had them out. Yeah. Uh, we had them out. Um, and uh, it, it's it's affected, especially as uh, you know, Grinnell is one of the smaller schools in the in the Little Hawkeye Conference. In fact, it is the smallest public school. Right. And we need those kids out for multi-sports to be successful. But um, it's um, the numbers aren't there. But now I will tell you that Grinnell is going to start a, well, we have started a new fifth, sixth grade tackle league. And I happen to be the, uh, if you will, the coordinator, mm-hmm. the commissioner of that. Right. In fact, I've been I've had lots of kids come in my garage and, and try on helmets mm-hmm. and, get, I saw weighed, some sitting and get weighed in and what have you. Uh, uh, and I think it's going to help because our, our middle school program, the last four or five years, have really struggled. And, and uh, when you're getting beat 50 to nothing consistently, kids give up the sport. They mm-hmm. don't want to go out. And kids want to be successful. But right. to be successful, you've got to pay your dues. Right. And, and I think that uh, the fifth and sixth grade uh, tackle league uh, that we're going to get into, I think, is going to help. Mm-hmm. I do. Well, to go with um, like two, two things here. It seems to be the the concern of concussions really revolves around not coaching, or I don't want to say not coaching, but improper technique. Correct. Because if, you know, when back in the 80s when I went through school, it was always about one hour of technique, technique, technique. But when kids tend to get lazy and don't want to put their efforts, or even studying, you know, for me, football wasn't just when we played football. You actually, you went and you studied film, you studied, all this was extra. And at the same time, it was like, well, we'd point out, see that tackle? It's a tackle. Yeah, it was a hit that probably made every film, but that's not a good tackle. You know, and teaching the kids that this is proper technique and not leading with your head. And we have so many kids that they'll be muscle bound and all dead head strength. And those seem to be the ones that get the concussions because they want to use their brute, brute strength instead of proper tackling techniques or proper blocking or leading tackles. They just run with their head instead of dropping their shoulders. So I think what you just said, I put a big smile on my face. We all have more young kids, but that's just exactly what we need is someone who's had all that experience to start them at a young age, a proper technique. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's so important. Technique is, is so important. And, and first and foremost, for the safety factor. And, and that's what puts mom's you know, uh, concerns at rest. You know, because you're going to do it. You're going to do it correctly. And, and I will say that the, the, the guys that are going to be coaching in this league, are, are three of them are former players of mine. And another one played at UNI. So uh, they're going to be well coached and, and, and it, technique it has a lot to do with it. Just like in the classroom, you know, proper teaching, you know, leads to good things. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. right. In 2014, you retired from your uh, yeah. head coach position and your AD position. Uh, you said a little bit earlier, like stress probably led to that. But what was kind of the 
end-all be-all factor to just kind of you know put it away after all those years and just kind of leave it be yeah like that was not an easy decision it, it wasn't um but uh you know, Eli had graduated and uh, had registered it that his first year at UNI. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, uh, you know, eventually I, I knew he was going to make see the field. I just knew mm -hmm. he was, and he did. And and I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to follow that. I didn't want to say, well, my job back here held me back. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and we were able to follow him all over the place mm -hmm. and uh, really enjoyed that. And, and uh, I just felt, uh, I think you get to a point uh, that, you know, people talk about burnout. And I'm not going to lie to you. I, I was suffering from some burnout. I was. I, I think the AD uh, and the football thing combined, it, it got to me. Um, I, I think I probably could have won a couple more years if I maybe would have given one or the other up. Mm -hmm. But I just, I felt it was time. I, I really did. And, and, and I will tell you this, you know, I've been out now four years and, and I have, I feel, I feel great. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can feel that the stress and you know, a lot of it has left my body. Mm -hmm. It has, uh, I feel healthy. I'm able to, you know, uh, uh, commit more time maybe to myself and what I, what I eat and what mm -hmm. I do. Um, I feel a lot better about it, but, uh, I do miss, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of it. I, I miss, I miss connecting with kids. I really yeah. do. Uh, uh, I've been asked to speak, uh, I, the other night, Eli and I were asked to speak to a fourth grade baseball team, getting ready to play in the U triple uh, baseball. And that was mm -hmm. fun. And I, I've been asked to speak to different groups at the high school athletes winter. And I enjoy that. I mm -hmm. really do. I, I I think I've got something maybe that I can share with mm -hmm. them. I enjoy that, but uh, at at the time in '14 when I retired, I just I just felt I just felt it was time. Uh, I really did, and 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 I think when you do something, you have passion about something, you go through a little bit of withdrawal, and I did. Mm -hmm. That first year was kind of tough, but. Uh, I've managed to I, I've managed to keep busy mm -hmm. and, and uh, but uh, it's just you know you look back and it's all anything they do it's all about creating good memories and mm -hmm. I, I created some good memories. Well, when uh, so with Blake and I doing the broadcast and of course now we see we seem to look over our shoulder and we see you and Sarah at baseball games, softball games, football games, basketball games. It, it doesn't matter. In that first year, was it difficult to walk back in there? Uh, it, you know, the first year it was. Uh, it, it really was, especially, well, for football especially. Uh, it was difficult. Uh, it was. It was hard. You know, <laughs> I'd sit up there with wags, and, and, and as we shared a lot of uh, battles together. And, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. It was difficult. And then when I'd go to basketball or baseball, I felt like I should be doing something. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. I wasn't, I'm not a sitter. I'm still not a sitter. <laughs> right, I sit right, there. Right. It's just, yeah, it was a different role for me, you know, but, uh, but I still, I still enjoy watching, you know, I, I'm, I'm some of these ADs, they, they, oh, you know, I'm out of there and I'm, I'm, I'm done, but no, not me. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I like I like athletics. I like activities, yeah. and, and I like seeing our kids perform. Yeah. I do. I still do. And you substitute sometimes, don't you? I do. Yeah, I do substitute. Mm -hmm. I, I, in fact, I did a long-term one two years ago in PE. Uh, mm -hmm. I think five or six weeks. But uh, I do. I sub once mm -hmm. in a while, and I still I main I, I maintain the athletic fields. I mm -hmm. cut the grass for softball, baseball, and, and football. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it kind of keeps me connected. Mm -hmm. uh, I have some good memories out there. Oh, that's cool. So, so just to kind of end on football, uh, you know, it's been four years since you've left the position. Mm -hmm. 23 years, one coach. Four years, we've had two coaches. But do you think 
we haven't had a winning season since you've been there, but on the up and up, do you think Coach Salzer is getting there? And oh, do you no, think absolutely. We're yeah. in the right direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. Coach Coach Salzer is doing a lot of good things, and I, I think the biggest thing about him, he's got kids excited about football again, mm-hmm. and that, and that not just kids but community members. And uh, I, I'm I'm a part of this football club uh, here in town that Mark Copeland has kind of put together, and. You know, working alongside Coach Salzer, no, he's got things headed in the right direction. Like I said, he's got kids excited again about football, and and that's 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 good to see. It mm-hmm. really is. So I'm excited to see what you know the future brings. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate you sitting in with us oh, this yeah. afternoon. Uh, we could probably go on talking about football for a long <laughs> time, but uh, you know, it's it's been fun to watch for all these years. Uh, I only probably quite understood what was happening for you know five or six years of that but um you know you've had you've been coaching for a long time and you've gone through a lot um you know what i guess what is what's going on now i mean people see you around town you're obviously doing this uh football thing yeah. for the younger yep. kids but i, I am uh, i'm doing that and uh, i was uh, i was i served as president of our church uh, mm-hmm. for a year and vice president for a year at church and then a president uh, i'm involved in the big brother program mm-hmm. um I, I sub um you know i do a little uh i, I, I mow a little bit i paint a few houses and uh, something i will add that I, I just found this out uh oh two weeks ago I think it was two weeks ago that in February I'm going to be inducted into the Iowa football <coughs> excuse me coaches hall, hall of, fame. of fame so that's pretty cool you know that's that's going to be a lot of fun so uh you know I stay busy and and I and I I attend as many Grinnell high school events as possible because mm-hmm. I enjoy that I wa- I like to watch kids uh, perform so I guess we didn't know that about the hall of fame yeah. but I might as well just yeah. ask you I mean that's not many coaches are in there what what do you contribute? It, I mean, was it everything? Well, players. I'll go back to what I you know. Good assistant coaches and good players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. But uh, you know, it, it's just I, I think the thing about my football career is if you take a look at it, it, it you know, the, the work of it, 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 it we average seven wins a year. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you when seven and a half wins a year, and when you go over and you play a nine game schedule. That's not a bad deal. So we weren't a program that would spike and then have four or five, right, right. you know, down years. We stayed up there for the most part. Even when we, you know, even when we were around 500, like my last year of coaching, mm. um, we uh, we lost three games by a touchdown, and then we were 30, 30 seconds away in the last game from tying. We would have won that game. We would have tied the district title and went to the playoffs. Yeah. We were thirty seconds away. We were up. We gave up a oh about a 28-yard touchdown run. You know, I could still see it mm-hmm. on that foggy night or whatever that last game. But uh, you know, it's just uh, it's getting people to buy in. It's surrounding yourself with good people. That's mm-hmm. a that's a if you can do anything in life, if you want to be successful, surround yourself with successful people. People that 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 work hard, that aren't afraid to to, to put the time mm-hmm. in, and the people that have a passion. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's you know I. I had a passion for football, and I surrounded myself with people that did have passion for it. And uh, you know, it's doing things, hard things, but make you know, trying to get kids to to, to like doing that. You know, that's the thing. All right, I'm going to throw the probably the most difficult question to you, and I'll let you have two answers okay. to make it easy. So, in all these years of coaching football, and I'll even add in the last four year of Eli's career, what's your greatest football memory? Oh boy, my 
greatest football. And you can have two. You know, well, I tell you, probably one of the the greatest memories I had was in in 98 in the state semifinal game. We played Decorah, and Decorah, I think, was ranked number one. They were a tremendous football team. Mm And we we hammered those guys. I mean, we we ran the ball at them and ran the ball at them and ran the ball at them. and we beat them down. Mm-hmm. And, and and after after that game, you know, just to know that we were going to go into the state championship, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That 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 was a great memory. Uh, so that's something that really sticks in my mind. It really does. That, that was a lot of fun that game. And there's one where do you think they just overcoached because they thought you were going to throw the ball the whole game? And you just ran it? <laughs> oh, no. No, no, not in 98. And when people, we didn't throw the ball very much. Oh, I guess 98. Yeah, 98. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking 2012 yeah. was the throwing year. Yeah. But uh, no, no, no. They knew we were going to run it. They right. just couldn't stop it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> and that's really a nice feeling. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay, so we'll add one more. What about, and Eli's not here, Eli's career as a whole. So four, three years of playing high school football and the four years, I know that after – Sarah retired too, so you guys got to travel and watch mm-hmm. Eli and actually go to quite a few places yes. and watch him play. Yes. What about a memory there? Well, you know, I, it's, I think it's kind of tough to, to put your finger on one, really one memory. Uh, I think it was pretty cool when he went to Kinnick Stadium and, and Mark Farley decided not to start him. We were there. After 17 yeah. games. We were there. <laughs> yeah. And then he comes in and drops what? Yeah, twenty. Yeah, it's not, he, he drops a lot of yeah, points. He on the comes Hawkeyes. in and, and he, you know he throws two touchdown pass, beautiful passes, and just let him down on, on another uh, field goal they missed mm-hmm. and lead it and and that was that was pretty cool. And then you know the year before that he threw he did throw five touchdown passes and to Jack Trice. Unfortunately, yeah. two more pick sixes, <laughs> but. If you know anything about football, those were those were real. I uh, put some of that on those receivers and what have you. But uh, those were kind of neat, neat memories, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, he's he's had a lot of them. It's just uh, you know, uh, I do know that that you know it was neat to see him walk off the field uh, at UC Davis uh, in yeah. Sacramento, the last and, and healthy too, though. You know, yeah, that's yeah. what I told him. I said, you know, son, you you played a lot of sports when and you're healthy and and, and that was a good feeling too well we've yeah. we have definitely we never really knew you always hear about espn3 but to go find you and i football i think we got we were a full subscription and we watched every almost every game that you and i played football with yeah. eli playing so yeah. we followed you 100 <laughs> percent, and we'd always say that you know I bet the Duns are there and somewhere. Yeah. Oh no, we, absolutely, so, we were there. I guarantee. That is definitely. A, it's a pretty yeah. cool thing to have yeah. those yeah. accolades and achievements of Eli. And yeah. someday we'd like to sit down and visit, and we could probably have yeah. another hour or so with him. So yeah. well, absolutely. he he had one of the best debuts I think you and I's ever seen from a quarterback. What four hundred yards yeah, and like over, yeah, over four hundred oh, yards. Crazy. Yeah, that that was pretty special. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of smiles on 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 I know our our faces that, mm-hmm. uh, and you know it was just we knew. I I mean, I knew coaching him, and I knew what he was capable of, and I still know what he's capable of, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was pretty special. That, that that debut against Missouri State, he threw over 400 yards, was fun. So for him, is is football kind of starting to go in the rearview mirror? Is he just kind of moving on, or what's what's kind of somewhat? The point? You know, he uh, he had been in Atlanta uh, for about four days. They invited mm-hmm. him, by, and then you know on his way back, uh, the Redskins had called him, mm-hmm. and then he flew in, in there, but. Uh, uh, the the Falcon thing is still a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start camp July 18th, mm-hmm. uh, and according to Dan Quinn and, and Paul Eli's side said that some were going to carry four quarterbacks. They have mm-hmm. three in the roster, right. 
And his last words, he said, just be ready. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know the quarterback coach has contacted Eli, you know, f- frequently once a week and just said, are you still throwing the ball? Are mm-hmm. you still, you know, so there's still a chance there, you know, and, and all he wants is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we'll just kind of wait and see. And if, if that doesn't happen, you know, he'll he'll move uh, move on and, and get a job like everybody else and, and <laughs> right. uh, you know, just have some great memories of what he was able to accomplish. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he matches right up with, like, FCS quarterback Easton Stick. Yes. I think he matches up right there with him, yeah. and it's we've had a lot of fun keeping up track with him. Yeah. But, uh, uh, again, we appreciate uh, you able for us to come in, sit in your house uh, here. Enjoyed and, it. Uh, I enjoyed it. Talk for an hour about football and uh, – we hope to be back here soon, maybe to sit down with you and talk a little bit more. Absolutely. I enjoy it. All right. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Yeah. All righty. Once again, thank you so much uh, from the bottom of our hearts to uh, Coach Jim Dunn for uh, coming in and uh, letting us talk to him and interview him. Um, I don't think that happens a lot anymore, uh, but you know, I think in the almost hour that we had talking to him, he had a lot to offer and probably more than I thought we'd ever get out of him. Well, that I, I was just amazed. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, when we talked about it, it wasn't just the wins and the losses. He rem- I think he remembers every loss. Oh, he does. He remembers score. He remembers. He probably remembers every single player he ever. Yeah. Every time he brought up a year, he could name at least one player. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, then to bring back, you know, extended memories of when he started, and then back into co college and the history into you know, at Dubuque as going to school, all those things were just, I mean, I hope everyone was just as much tuned in as we were sitting at his kitchen table and to see him smiling from ear to ear, you know, sometimes we ask a question and it's, they drop their heads or right, they, right. they look at us like, really? And Coach Dunn, he had no remorse on anything. And right. it was always like, Oh, I about has got to forget that, and you just brought it back up, right. and, and that's a you know that was pretty incredible. I, I was I could sit there, and we did. Right, we sat there probably thirty thirty five minutes after the podcast uh, ended, and we still sat there and talked about sports, and even before I mean beforehand, still just talking with them and everything else. Um, it was just it was great. I I I hopefully maybe sometime we can go back and talk to him more, talk to Eli possibly. Um, but yeah, it was really incredible. And I think it's, the interview was definitely something I think a lot of people around Grinnell would really want to listen to. Yeah. So, and, you know, not to, not just to isolate Jim Dunn, but to say special thank you to Sarah. Mm-hmm. She, yep. she opened up our, I mean, they both opened up our house, but Sarah opened up the house and, and let us sit at our kitchen table and have this interview. So thank you to Sarah. I know that you will be listening to this and, uh, many people know Sarah as the longtime middle school teach or middle school principal and Bailey Park principal. So, uh, putting the two names together and and seeing them out at the sporting events that's that's really neat that they still actively are involved in this Grinnell uh, school district system. So, all right. Well, what do we got up next week? Well, we got a we got a busy week this week. Uh, I hope gas prices are down because uh, you're going to want to get some gas this week. Grinnell is on a road trip this week so i hope your uh, your google maps is all refreshed because uh they're on the road a lot uh monday night july 8th we are headed to para para uh, perry. perry perry high school uh to take on i think the jayhawks is what they're called um that game is at 7 30 perry has not won a game this year so uh we're hoping i mean this whole week for grinnell is 
the teams are below average. And if Grinnell is going to make a July push, this is going to be the week. And I think Stenberg has it circled on his calendar. Get these wins out of the way. The Little Hawkeye Conference is over. There's no, I mean, it's done. They're, they're not going to have to play anyone else. This is the week you're going to win some ball games because all these teams are under 500 and all have good chances for Grinnell. Which I, I think we may even see some rest period a little bit yeah. on some arms and, and you know kind of rotate. Maybe Brady Stewart he got gonna be a little busy. This had week. a little pitching time the other night, so you know th- bring in some of these guys that may not have been pitching the powerhouse teams and and see what they could do and just give some breaks in different places. So Monday going to Perry. Tuesday night follow it back up at seven o'clock. Different, not seven thirty. Uh, Grinnell's heading over to Williamsburg, so hop on I-80 and drive all the way down there to the outlet mall, and you'll figure out where that baseball field is. So they'll be taking on the Williamsburg team on Wednesday night. They are headed to Nevada to play at the new S-C-O-R-E complex. That is right along the highway over there. They just built that. Um, so they'll take on the Nevada Cubs. Yeah, just a side note, if, if you're driving up to there, uh, you're going to want to take a quick left-hand turn um, past the Anytime Fitness to the left. It's going to be right at the pool. Yeah, right at the swimming pool, and you go in and make your first right at the swimming pool, and you'll be able to drive straight north. But it, it's really a beautiful complex. Just This is their first year playing there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, they've always played, I think, in the past, either down at the, the county fairgrounds. So it, it's really a nice uh, park that they put together, and I think everyone will enjoy the facilities to watch the ball game. Thursday night. The Grinnell softball team plays their first playoff game against the Oskaloosa Indians. Uh, That should be really interesting. That's the first playoff game. That's in Oskaloosa. Uh, The time is to be determined, but I'm pretty sure it's going to start at 730. So uh, expect that Thursday night, July 11th. We look forward to keeping up with them. On Friday, July 12th, Grinnell heads to uh, the Tama Colonies and takes on South Tama Trojans. And that game is also at 7 o'clock, so no doubleheaders this week. And then on Saturday, July 13th, would be the next game if Grinnell softball won on Thursday night against uh, Oskaloosa. Also, the ninth grade baseball team has a huge tournament in Newton. So, pretty busy week of baseball. Uh, we won't be broadcasting any games, but we will definitely probably be at Nevada and South Tama most likely. I don't know. I might uh, travel with the team to uh, Williamsburg if I'm not doing anything, but... Uh, we'll just have to see, but uh, no Tiger Sports live stream broadcast this week, but we will be back for the two games Monday and Tuesday night on July 15th and 16th, I think. so. Which the the 15th is a game that we've added in, uh, and that's going to be senior night. Right. So right. We're, we're pretty excited that we were able to add that back to the schedule uh, and and see see those seniors go out on the field. It won't be for the last time because they turn right back around and, and play Ballard on Tuesday night, but we're, we're excited. we followed this, both teams. It's been, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, for, it's been a fun season. For having a little bit of nervousness from the, the point of dad going into this broadcasting <laughs> season of baseball softball, I, I'm so happy with it. Um, for those who, you know, look at it as possibly for advertising in the, in the future, I've talked to three or four good firm leads that for advertising is next year going into the next school season so they could do a whole school season underneath their belt and and we're excited for those people to be coming on board uh if if you're looking to do some advertising and you don't want to do whole whole seasons you just want to do basketball you want to do football you want to do just softball or baseball let me know just just get on our our website 
www.tigerssln.com. Go to the contact page, fill out that, and um, shoot us an email over. We're, we're excited. We're, we're listening on all gears. Any ideas? You know, we've had all kinds of people yeah. come different ideas. Next year, uh, coming back in for baseball, softball, I have some ideas. We're, you know, we're definitely going to be going to a two-camera system next year mm-hmm. for baseball and uh, softball to give you a little bit more of a, a different view of what's out there. So we're excited about that. Just wanted to point out one more thing this week. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's not the high school, but it'll be at the high school. The community musical, The Little Shop of Horrors, is this week. Uh, I have a lot of friends and just a lot of uh, community member friends and just all my high school friends, a lot of them are in that show. Uh, I was going to be in that show, but because of this uh, broadcasting opportunity, I decided to take this. But uh, I've still been keeping track of what they're doing over there, and uh, tickets, I think, are at McNally's. They're at a few other places around Grinnell. Um, so definitely go out and see that show. I know we will definitely be out there. But, uh, yeah, once again, Little Shop Before is Thursday, Friday, Saturday night and then sunday afternoon so get out to that show so i think we had a good show this afternoon um i don't know when this will be out but hopefully if you can listen to it on your way to the ball games this week um again thank you to coach dunn and uh, uh poly ice pizza coach dunn being our guest poly ice pizza being our sponsor um and i think this is a really good one i do too i think everyone's gonna enjoy it and you know what if you're listening and you want to have us go look up somebody else yeah shoot us an email we'll look up someone else uh again where can you find us you can always find us on our twitter account at at tigers live underscore uh, our facebook group just look up tiger sports live stream network we're just back to a group now and then of course our web page where you can always find all the archives our podcasts are right there for you and Everything else you want to know about the Tiger Sports live stream at www.tigerssln.com. So I'm Dan Walker. Along with Blake Walker. And thank you once again for listening to the Tiger Sports live stream network podcast. And go Tigers. Watch for the quarterback keeper here. Third down and two. A third and goal from the two. Strand in motion. They hand it to him. Strand's speed tries to get to the corner. And he makes a man miss. And he's in. Touchdown. Grinnell.